I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter number 10. Now, chapter 9, verse 18 ended with this statement. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. Chapter 10 is going to pick up on that, and it's going to be dealing with a proverbial style that we would see in the book of Proverbs. He's going to go back to this rhythmic sentences giving advice and uh, comparing and contrasting and looking at conduct. So when we look at this, we're going to see more of what we're used to seeing in the book of Proverbs. And what he's going to be telling us is things like there are certain things that uh, will cause one sinner could cause to happen. I mean, just one sinner can bring a lot of damage. And it's going to wrap around the words fool and folly. So if you look through chapter number 10, by the way, if you look through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, you will see through it the word folly, fool, foolishness, and uh, words related to that. But in chapter number 10 in particularly, The word folly or fool or foolishness or fools occurs in verse 1, 2, 3, 6, 12, 13, 14, and 15. So it really revolves around the contrast of godly behavior versus foolish behavior. And so we're going to look at 10 things that he shows in chapter number 10. And the first thing that he says that foolishness and folly can destroy, that one person can mess up very quickly, is reputation. I'll give you one word for each of these, and uh, there's a lot more to it than that, but I'll give you one word. Number one, reputation. Verse number one, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Now, when we deal with the word folly, we're dealing with the word foolishness and silliness. And in my study of this word, I've seen where this word actually renders the foolishness that entails a moral dimension to it. And it's evidenced by its association with madness. And so we will see that a lot of times in the writings of the book of Proverbs, as well as in the writings in Ecclesiastes. When we look at verse number 17 of chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. 
I perceive that this is also vexation, trying to grab the wind, and you can't, of spirit. So, you know, he was trying to learn all kinds of things that he really didn't need to learn and shouldn't be learning. Now, this is a strange statement here, and you think, my goodness, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor? What's he saying there? Well, the uh, idea of that word there, the apothecary, that was the one who dealt with the spices in the perfumes. And uh, you can take a look at that, and it says in verse number 25 of Exodus 30, thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary it shall be an holy anointing oil. So the apothecary put different spices together to make different things. Well, in the Middle East there, the swarms of flies, they have to keep those out of it because it wouldn't take much for a fly to get in there. And one fly that would get into that beautiful smell would then stink the whole thing up. Just takes one dead fly to cause it. It heals on chapter nine, the last verse there, one sinner can do a whole lot of damage. And he says, now let me just contrast that and said, so doth a little folly, just a little bit of silliness, just a little bit of foolishness, him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Now, what he's saying here is, is literally more weighty that you have wisdom and honor than uh, you should have the foolishness, but the foolishness seems to tip the scales first, and it shouldn't. And that word reputation is valuable. Now watch this. Your reputation is valuable. That wonderful ointment that they're making is valuable. He's saying two things that are very valuable, that the resource and the reputation. But one dead fly can cause that ointment to stink. And a, just a tiny little bit of folly in your reputation, the value of your reputation goes into deadness. That is the warning there, your reputation. My friend, we need to do everything we can to guard our reputation. Uh, our reputation as a Christian, our reputation that says, hey, we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we are living for him. Secondly, we look in verse number two. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Here we're looking at strength. When we look at this word, a wise man, and we see here a fool's heart, and we see the right hand and the left hand, we find ourselves saying, okay, what's going on here? Well, basically, there was a thought process uh, that the right hand, since most people were right-handed, that the right hand was considered the right hand of strength, and uh, the left hand was the weaker hand. So many believe that it's saying here, a wise man leans on his strengths, but a fool on his weaknesses. That uh, is a proverb about strength. And this proverb is, listen, where's your heart? Is your heart at your right hand or is it at the left? See, a wise man's heart is going to lean on his strength, but a fool's heart is going to look at his weaknesses. That is a horrible place to be. We want to have a great reputation. It's valuable. But we also want to have the right strength. And we all remind ourselves over and over again that our strength cometh from the Lord. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If you remember over in Isaiah chapter 41, verse number 10, it says, Fear thou not. Why? For I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Why? For I am thy God. Now listen. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will 
help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. As Isaiah wrote from the inspiration of Scripture, again, knowing that their thinking was the right hand, was the hand of strength, there it is, even dealing with God. Hey, listen, his right hand is strengthening us. We need to live in the world of strength. In verse number three, we go from the reputation and strength to the word proof. The word proof. Something proves something. Yea, also, when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Yeah, this is really very easy to understand. The word way, as we've said many times, is the road of life that you're taking, the course of life, the, the way you walk. And when you are walking as a fool walks, that's the way of life you've chosen, the way of folly, the way of foolishness, the way of silliness, well, then your wisdom faileth you. You don't have the kind of wisdom you need, and you are failing. And it makes it very, very evident to all who see you that you are a fool. They say, hey, there's a fool. They don't have to listen. They don't have to hear you say anything. They just have to watch the walk that you walk, and they will see it. Uh, listen, foolish behavior can corrupt you very, very quickly. And the Bible talks about foolishness being bound in the heart of a child. Very, very easy to see that a good man out of a good treasure of the heart bringeth forth that which is good. There you go. And it's very easy to see. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. There is Luke 6:45. It's amazing how many times we look at people and say, well, I don't think I would have done that. And we do a lot of judging. Well, the Bible makes it clear that when you walk the way of the fool, you will be known as a fool. And uh, it doesn't even have to be heard. You can open your mouth and make it clear. You can also walk a walk that makes it clear whether you say anything or not. You prove by your walk. And I love that song that's in the Past the Pirate series, your walk walks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. You cannot hide what's inside. It's sure to come out. Your words may speak, but your actions shout. There you go. So we see uh, this here. Now we get to verse number four. And here the key word is anger. Now watch this. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. That spirit of the ruler rise up. His anger gets If his temper flares, okay, don't leave your place or show a resistance of spirit because your gentleness and calmness can put a stop to great offenses. And when I think of that, I think of what he said in the book of Proverbs in chapter 15, verse 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath. It's amazing. When I first started teaching school uh, many, 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 many decades ago, and I was young, I was uh, late teens, I was 19 uh, when I started uh, teaching in one of the Christian schools, maybe 20 years old, and uh, they, they, somewhere in there, they gave me a study hall. And it, had, it was in the cafeteria, and there was 100 kids. One teacher to keep 100 kids quiet. 
And man, that was a task and a job. And I tried everything in my power to keep those kids quiet. And at one point, I remember slamming my fist on the briefcase that I own and yelling at the top of my lungs the word, shut up. And boy, it got quiet in there real quick, though they were snickering because of my slamming that down and, and losing it. But I was so angry that they were not going to show it by saying it out loud. And it was pretty quiet. And then I went straight to the principal's office and told him what I did. Well, one kid must have went home and told their parent. The parent came in and attacked me and looked me and said, I heard you lost your temper and just blasted me. And when they got done, I said, yes, I did. And I am so sorry. And kaboom, they didn't know what to say. They were ready. They thought I was going to defend myself, and they were ready to go on the attack. But that soft answer turned away their wrath. They weren't even looking at the fact that they were angry, see. But the Bible's very clear. A soft answer can turn away wrath. And he said, listen, it yieldeth passive, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. Don't do it. And the bottom line of this is, if they get angry, don't you get angry. Don't you retaliate. You just be gentle and calm and give that soft answer and watch what happens. In verse number 5 through 7, the word is evil. Here we see the word evil, and it says here, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun without God. That I've seen this evil in the earth where people don't have God. As an error which proceedeth from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. I have seen servants upon horses, and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Now, in this section here, we see that the king has been put into place, and he is pretty much unworthy, and nobody likes him, but he's been promoted and he is now being degraded and neglected. Now watch what it says here. He says here, basically, I've seen another thing under the sun that drives me crazy. Fools are placed in many positions of authority. That's basically what he's saying. While wealthy men sit in lowly positions. He said, I've seen that happen. He said, Solomon said, I've watched people who are wealthy and have the ability to get up and get in front and get in those places. Aren't They're back here and a fool gets in the place. And he's seen, I've seen it with my own eyes. There's an evil. Well, there's a lot of things that happens in the political realms of all the countries of the world. And all you have to do is study history to find there's a lot of evil that takes place. It doesn't take a rocket science. Not all of them are evil, thank God. Not all of them are wicked, thank the Lord. But there's a big evil. And Solomon saw it in his day. And he saw it in those that were in control and those that weren't. And those that he thought should have been and weren't. So we see here the evil. The next one in 8 through 10, we see building up and tearing down. Boy, does that have a lot. We have to get through this chapter. Uh, we don't want to get bogged down, but this is a good thought process here. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh a hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Whoso removeth stones shall hurt therewith, and he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. Now, what we see here is he that breaks through a wall or a hedge, uh, they're going to find themselves uh, having snakes coming out. 
they're going to find themselves being bitten. He said, there, there's, there's always dangers in everything you do. So we're looking at while you're trying to build up, you could be taken down. A fool in his folly. We find this foolishness. Someone that has a great idea, but they do it in a foolish way, and it comes back to bite them. Literally, literally, the snake. It comes back to bite them. Whosoever removes stones, they get hurt by the same stones they remove. It's amazing. And then you look at the next one, and it says, If the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge, then he must put more strength, but wisdom is profitable to direct. Now, obviously, if uh, the iron is blunt, and you do not do that which you need to do to fix the problem, which is to wet the edge, the idea of that is to sharpen it, to make it clear so you can do what you do. Then you got to put more strength into it. So if an iron axe head is blunt and he doesn't sharpen it, <clears throat> then what good is it? You're, you're making yourself work extra and do these things. And ah, ah, ah. He must exert a great deal of effort. So wisdom is better because it has the advantage of giving you a whole lot better success. We get to verse 11. And we see slackness. Here we deal with the word slackness. Slackers. Uh, when we see that in the Bible, we see uh, those who are basically wasters of time. They sit around. They don't do much. You see a lot of that in the book of Proverbs. They're idle. <clears throat> Here, surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and a babbler is no better. Okay? If the, bake, if the snake is going to bite, before the charmer has, can do anything about it, and the charmer's not very good at what he's doing. And that snake charmer is in big, big trouble. That's really what it boils down to. Why, if a serpent is biting, then uh, what good is it? You, you have not been good at what you thought you could do. The charmer is slack in exercising his craft, and he will be bitten just like everybody else. So is a babbler. He's no better than that. Well, what is a babbler? He that just speaks on and on and on, foolish, silly talking, that just wags his tongue, on and on it goes, and then that takes him into the next set, which is three verses, 12 through 14. He talks about the words that flow out of their mouth. Now watch how he contrasts it. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Hallelujah. But the lips of a fool will swallow up himself. I mean, the words of a wise man, oh, they're good words. They're gracious words. They're wonderful words. But the words of a fool, they just self-destruct. They swallow them up. They destroy them. They just take him out. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness. Right from the beginning, everything that comes out is sheer foolishness, ridiculousness, silliness, folly. And he said, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. Just wicked, evil, madness. The word mischief means wicked, evil. It's just the end of his talk. He, he opens his mouth and his words are foolish. And when he gets done, it just is absolutely wicked madness. Just has absolutely no sensification. It makes nothing. It does nothing. And then he goes on and says, A fool also is full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be. And what shall be after him, who can tell? 
Now, as we look at these verses here, of these words, he says, a fool keeps on going. He just keeps on talking. He's just full of words. He just keeps babbling on and on and on. And no one knows what will happen. And no one can tell what's going to happen in the future. But this guy just goes on and on and on and on and on. Ever met someone like that? They just keep talking and talking and talking. And they make absolutely zero sense. Basically, what is being said here is that the fool will continue to talk about the uncertainties of life with certainty. <laughs> I'm positive that this is not going to be the way it is. I'm positive this is uncertain. That's the way they are. He's full of words, yet he cannot tell what she'll be or she'll be after him. Who can tell? But he just says, I'm positive. I don't know what I'm talking about. And that, that's kind of a, a strange thing, isn't it? That people are like that. Now we go to the next one. And in this one, the word here is labor. And we look at the labor of the foolish wearieth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city. Okay, the labor of the foolish. A foolish person wearies himself constantly with all kinds of things because he does not know how to go to the city. The word knoweth there not. It means to know in a sense of to consider, to know by relations, to, to try to be knowledge yourself by skill. He, he doesn't know that skill. So this fool wears himself out because he doesn't even know how to find himself where he's at and how to get up and go to the city. He has no concept of work. He works hard for that which he has no idea where he's going. He can't get to where he's going because he is wearing himself with all of these things. Now, we kind of leave the proverbial way of doing things and the last four verses, and it deals with the corrupted and the contrasted. The corrupted and the contrasted. And when we get to this set of verses here, we're actually dealing with uh, the situation at hand that is creating a corruption through ruling. We have a corrupt government and we have a contrasting government watch this verse number 16 woe to thee O land when thy king is a child and thy princes eat in the morning there's one now watch blessed art thou O land when thy king is the son of nobles and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness you see the contrast there we see, first of all, woe to thee, O land, when thy king is a child. Okay, And I don't believe it's referring to the age of a child because there were some that became uh, kings that were great kings that ruled at young ages in Judah. But watch this. I believe it refers to childish in behavior. It has to do with childishness in the way you act. Paul said, when I was a child... I thought as a child, I acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There's a lot of things that we need to remind ourselves over and over and over again. That is, we can be very much in childish behavior when we need to be in grown-up behavior. I think of Ahab, and when Ahab uh, wanted Naboth's vineyard, and uh, Naboth made it clear, the Lord forbid me to give that to you. I cannot do that. I'm not going against the Lord. And my Ahab went back home, put his face against the wall, and his wife's like, what's your problem? 
and he said, I want this vineyard. He won't give it to me. He's, he's being childish. He's being foolish, and he is thinking and acting like a child. But Jezebel, who is a very wicked person, acts like a wicked person, says, I'll fix it for you, and has Naboth killed. When dealing with the uh, children of Israel and all, and Isaiah wrote, he was writing about how things were going to come and how the Lord of hosts would take away from Jerusalem the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread, and the whole stay of water. He goes through and talks about if they could find someone that has the right clothes, they'd say, hey, rule over us. And in that chapter 3, in verse number 12, he says, as for my people, children are their oppressors. There, there's this childlessness. And so he says, be careful of that. But then he goes around and says, Now blessed art thou, O land, when thy king is the son of nobles, and thy princes eat in due season for strength and not for drunkenness. Now we look at this contrasting government. We see that this land is blessed because being a son of nobles speaks to character more than to relationship of being a noble person in the sense of being son of, but a noble person in that their character is noble. A king that is a noble acting person has great character. And there's very few rulers like that. But when you get rulers that are like that, they make a big difference. And they don't do what they do in order to be evil and drunk and all those things, but they eat for their own strength and health and not for partying. That's the kind of the, the contrast that is being said there. And then he says, by much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of hands, the house droppeth through. Well, yeah, slothfulness, building decays. It crops apart. You're not doing anything. You're, you're being lazy. You're not taking care of it. And your hands are idle. You're not getting up. So the, the house springs a leak, and you don't fix it. The leak gets worse and worse and worse. It continues to crumble in. So the house left to itself is going to fall apart. And he said, that's the kind of thing you got to be careful of. Don't become slothful. Don't become that kind of person that finds himself being lazy. Don't be a lazy person. But instead, get up and get going. And then the last one here, the feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. And he says, curse not the king, know not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice of that which hath wings shall tell the matter. He said, feasts are made, and you laugh, and you get merry, but money answers everything. That's the slothful, that's the carousing of revelers, they, they, that's the way they think. Uh, they get themselves, they, they feast is made for laughter, we have wine, we get merry, money's everything. Hey, listen, slothfulness, money, that's not the answer. He says, curse not the king, uh, even in your thought process. No, not in thought. Curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. Don't do it. Why? Because some winged creature might repeat your words. <laughs> that's what that means for the, a bird of the air shall carry the voice and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. And then he's going to continue into chapter 11 to deal with some of these things and the word folly and things will continue. And then chapter number 12, he's just going to sum it up. He's going to give the final, the first imperative, the final instruction, and the final imperative. He's going to boil it all down to just a really short something that when you see it in chapter 12, you're going to go, wow, we could have avoided the whole book if he'd have done that. Father, help us in the name of Jesus to 
see these things and stay on the good side of them and not the bad side of them. Stay above the sun and not under the sun. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Walton. Have an awesome yes, week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word. It thrills me through and through. I believe every word is true. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.